You're listening, listening to, to Bible, Bible Plus. Bible Plus from Seesaw. Bible Plus is a podcast featuring short, daily discussions of every chapter in the New Testament. Bible Plus is designed to increase Bible reading, understanding, and enjoyment. Get more out of the Bible. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in again to the Bible Plus podcast. Uh, I know over winter break, we don't have as much of a schedule. And today we'll actually see how Jesus was always on schedule. He's always on time. And we've already passed our final exams. Today we'll see him passing his final exams, you might say, in Luke chapter 20. Before we get into Luke chapter 20, I want to briefly review where we've uh, been in in Luke, uh, especially in um, 19. But even going all the way back to chapter 9, he began to journey in the beginning, at the end of chapter 9, verse 51, it says he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was where he needed to die. In chapter 13, he mentions it is not acceptable for a prophet to perish outside Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was the place ordained by God for him, and it fulfilled the type of the offering of Isaac on Mount Moriah there in Genesis chapter 22. So he's the father's only begotten son that is being offered to death there in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. Actually, he's presenting himself to death in in this um, chapter, chapter 20, even the end of chapter 19 and 20, all the way through the end of chapter 22. You could say it's a little section of the book of Luke about him presenting himself to death. He realizes he's the offering of God, And in Hebrews uh, chapter 9, verse 14, it says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? I'd like to just focus on two phrases. He offered himself. So here Luke shows us how on time and on schedule Jesus is to present himself to death. And then secondly, without blemish. Here in this chapter and also in the next couple chapters, we're going to see how Jesus is tested and examined from every angle and found to be without blemish. He's the, the highest one, the one who brings the jubilee to, to us who are the lost and captured sinners. He brings salvation to us. And he's just incredible. In show, even in being tested, he's found to be perfect, pure, wise, patient, um, not angry. Uh, it's, it's just incredible. So we'll, we'll look at this test, but before we do, let me go back a little bit to um, the case of Zacchaeus. It, it says in uh, 19.1, he entered Jer- Jericho and was passing through it, and in 19.5, he said to Z- Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay in your house. And this phrase really caught my eye. Hurry and come down. Today I must stay in your house. And then in 1911, it says he was near Jerusalem. 1928, it says he went on before them going to Jerusalem. So in chapter 19, you get this sense of Jesus is on a tight schedule going through Jericho. He only has one night to stay in Zacchaeus' house and bring salvation to him. And I just love this about Jesus. He is on time. He needs to get to Jerusalem at least four days before the Passover to be 
to be examined there to fulfill the type of the Passover lamb, which according to Exodus 12 had to be examined for four days. And so he's, he's got this plan to, to save Zacchaeus and he has to do it that day. And so brothers and sisters, I hope we realize the Lord is never late. He's never late to deliver salvation to us, to bring timely help to us so we can open to him at all times and realize the moment that we open, he knew it was the right time for us to, for him to dispense himself into us. So after the case of Zacchaeus, he enters Jerusalem at the end of chapter 19 and he cleanses the temple. He casts out those who are selling. He's He's concerned with the, the father's house. He likes to, he wants to purify it and he stays in the temple during the day. And then he goes out to Bethany at night to lodge and then back to, to Jerusalem during the day again. <clears throat> and it was in, I was on one of those days uh, in the temple that chapter 20 picks up. Verse one says on one of those days, he was teaching the people in the temple, announcing the good news. The chief priests and the scribes and the elders came upon him. They came upon him. And this is where the test begins. And the, the test, the questions that, that they ask him, we're going to see they actually present a contrast between his being without blemish, being pure, and the, the askers who are the leaders of Israel actually being insidious and ensnaring, dishonest, and, and base. And so it actually is an incredible turn of events. So this first question is concerning his authority. They ask him, what authority do you have to do all these things? And who gave you this authority? And he, he's wise in, in not merely saying, God the Father gave me the authority. Instead, he asks them a question. And he says, the baptism of John where did it come from? From heaven or from men? And they, they actually, at this point, they're stumped. They don't know how to answer this very simple question. And so they say, we can't say from heaven because the people will stone us, but we can't, or from, from men because the people will stone us. But we also can't say from heaven because then the people, then Jesus will say, well, why didn't you believe him? And so they actually, they lie. They just came up with a, a non-answer. They said, we don't know. And so this was just a lie. It just exposed who they were and how low they were willing to go to maintain their position. So then Jesus was able to say, then neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. And then he spoke a parable to them about a, vine, a vineyard and a man who owned it and leased it out to vine dressers. And the fact that they, they never gave him the fruit and they stoned and beat and killed his servants and eventually the beloved son indicates that um, this is what they would do to him. They would kill him. They would cast him out. And all the while they'd be thinking, we'll do this so that we could retain control. The inheritance will be ours. But he tells them this is by no means going to happen because the owner of the vineyard will come and destroy those vine dressers those, and will lease it out to others. And so then another group of, of leaders come, the Pharisees who are patriotic to Israel and oppose paying taxes to Caesar, and the Herodians who are loyal to Rome and support taxation come, 
And Luke points out that they actually sent spies who feigned themselves to be righteous. This is in verse 20. So they're pretending to be among the disciples of Jesus and ask him a question without, um, in the hopes that he'll say something and sort of slip up and they'll catch a word that they can then report to the governor and deliver him up. So this is actually very insidious and crafty. Um, they're attempting to trick him by using spies um, who are attempting to catch a, a word without him realizing it's a test. But in verse 23, he perceives their craftiness. And so the question they asked was, um, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Is that allowed? Is that okay? But he perceived they were just attempting to ensnare him. And so he, asked, he answers in a very simple way. If you have a coin, uh, let me see it. Okay, it has Caesar's image on it. Give it to Caesar. And then what has God's image, what is of God, give that to God. And from the context in Luke, it, sh it should be that Luke's uh, emphasis is that we would serve God and be released from mammon, that is from serving money and all that that entails. So then the, servant, the things that are God's would be things like our tithing, it would be offering, of course, our, our whole being to him. We're in God's image. But um, we'll see at the end of this that he at the end of this chapter that he warns against the scribes and he praises a poor widow for her giving a tithe in full to the Lord. And he says what she gave, though it was only two coins, was more than all the rich gave. So here he he highly appraises our being released from money and rendering the things that are God's to God. And then the third test comes and that's the Sadducees and they're they're likened to the the ones in the that don't believe in any divine intervention, no resurrection, no angel, no spirit. And so they come up with a scenario that he patiently listens to. Uh, I, I believe it's hypothetical. I'm not sure, but it seems pretty crazy that seven brothers would marry the same woman and that none of them would have kids and they would all die. And then their, their case is, okay, so whose wife will she be in the resurrection? They all seven had her as wife, so who's the right one? And of course, they don't know the next age, and so the Lord reveals patiently that in the next age, they'll be like angels. They won't marry. Marriage is a thing of this age. But that there will be a resurrection he points out that they didn't closely get into the depths. They didn't closely read and get into the depths of the book of Exodus. He says in the section concerning Moses in the burning bush, God told Moses, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is not the God of dead people. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob by that point were long dead. But the point is God is indicating Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be resurrected. Because he's the God of the living, and to him all men are living. So I love his, I love his answer to the Sadducees here. It's, it's so full of revelation. But in a sense, you know, this is the three tests here in the book of Luke, chapter 20. You could say that in general, he, he passed all these questions with flying colors. He aced his final exams. I don't know, students, how you did on your final exams, but our Lord passed every final exam and was found to be without blemish. And we know this in verse 39, the scribes answer and says, Teacher, you have spoken well. And then they no longer dared to question him about anything. And then he actually asks them the final question. We're going to end here. He says, whose 
son is the Christ. And they knew he was David's son, according to the different books in the prophecies. But then he quotes uh, Psalm 110, where David says to Christ, says about Christ that he's my Lord. He says, David says in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. The Lord said to my Lord, that's the Christ, sit at my right hand. Well, how could the son of David be the Lord of David? How could David call his own son his Lord? Well, the only way this would be possible is for him to have not only a human source, but a divine source. And that's exactly what's going on. Here he is being tested, being examined by all these creatures, all these men. But he himself is the creator. Of course, he, of course he's a man, but he's also the creator. And they didn't realize this about him. So Luke chapter 20, it shows us the high standard of his humanity. He's patient. He's wise. He's loving. He's perceptive. He's honest. He's frank. He, he doesn't get angry that they're testing him. It also shows us he's divine. He's the Lord of David. He knows who God is. He's the God of the living. So I just, I praise the Lord for this chapter, for the Passover lamb we have. I hope we can just appreciate our Lord Jesus so much more after reading Luke chapter 20. And we'll go on, we'll go on with Luke chapter 21 and we'll see He'll, he'll be tested by Pilate, by all the Romans, and he'll eventually, after presenting himself to death, he will die and accomplish redemption for us so that we can fully enjoy his, his jubilee salvation, serve him, follow him, and be with him in his kingdom forever. So thank you for tuning in today to Bible Plus Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this, and we'll keep going on together. Praise the Lord.